Oh, dude, I've got an idea. Hmm. Are you ready? Yep. We should just have bad whistling in between our sections. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love how we're building tropes already. So you're listening to Brain Food Podcast, the Brain Food Podcast. What did I don't know what we decided on. We'll we'll figure it out later. We, I'm Simon. I'm Simon Whistler. We, yeah. <laughs> I'm David Hiskey, and we did definitely decide on brain food. Okay, <laughs> just good. brain food. Good. Uh, this is a very smooth start to the podcast. I imagine most people listening have probably come over from our YouTube channel. I hope there are some people who are either listening back to the archives or have discovered us on iTunes. Welcome random people who don't know who we are we run a relatively popular channel on youtube uh youtube with a ch as people always point out to me i i said in the british way yeah and this this is our podcast this is not good do you want to start again <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was going well <laughs> this is our podcast what are we going to be doing on this podcast david so we are going to uh so obviously most episodes will start with an intro and then uh uh, we'll jump to the feedback section, which uh, this time we have no feedback because it's episode one. And then beyond that, just the whole center, you know, the, the whole idea of the podcast is everything is going to be something that is basically brain food. Uh, educational, but also entertaining in some way. So hitting that sweet spot of edu- edutainment. Love that word. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so we'll have like a, have like a, you know, a section where we go over some interesting history bit or some, some interesting whatever educational thing. And then we'll have a... Uh, Sometimes we'll have an interview uh, with someone who's, who's an expert in some field or something like that. And we'll talk to them about that sort of teaching uh, that way. And then, um, yeah, Q&A. Am I, am I forgetting anything? I am looking at the notes that we've made for this because despite what that intro sounded like, we're very well prepared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that was everything. Uh, I have some feedback for future yes. Simon. Do a better job on the intro next time. <laughs> What I like about podcasting is I think we're pretty able to give out an email address without it being crawled by bots for like, Mm. I don't know, I made the mistake of putting my email address publicly on a website once. Now my spam folder is an utter disaster. I mean, I get hundreds of spam messages a day. So now I'm like, I will never post my email anywhere. But because this is a podcast, we can say we've got an email for people who want to feedback to us, right? Yes, exactly. It will be podcast at todayifoundout.com as soon as I actually get around to setting it up. (laughs) Well, by the time this goes live, if you want to hit us up with some feedback, like, uh, for example, Simon, sort out the intro. You you could do that at podcast at todayifoundout.com. Okay, so what we're doing in this episode is we've got our, our kind of like main section, our interesting fact section, which is well, what are we discussing today, David? You're kind of leading the charge on that, and I'll throw in questions. So we are discussing throwing tomatoes and um, ironically that uh, how important it is to get the audience on your side right from the start. We are uh, doing an amazing so, job of that so far. And, the, uh, and just sort of the historic audience, how it's... Uh, in a lot of people's mind is very different what I think what they think of audiences like the way an audience behaves and stuff but in fact it actually very closely resembles YouTube comments and and so uh, audiences really haven't changed that much. Wow so YouTube comments like a throwback to the old days of theater we'll get into all of that in the in the interesting facts section. Uh, shall we transition and get on with the meat of today's episode? I feel like there was something else we were going to talk about. Uh, what? Oh oh so there's another section which I did forget to mention is sort of a self-improvement type 
type section where we'll be going over like in uh, in just in the general case might be going over an interesting book and sort of what it talks about and what it teaches or whatever and then uh, sometimes it might just be something us talking about like uh, like today something we know a lot about and so like today's topic is going to be on the, um, looking at like uh, how to monetize the best on YouTube you know, kind of just stuff like that how that all works behind the scenes uh, for people who want to learn how to do that all right, welcome to the section where we talk about something that I, I guess people who are familiar with our YouTube channel will be most familiar with us doing. Interesting facts, or interesting stories, or historical stories, or a combination of all of the above. I mean, on YouTube our videos range from like 3 minutes to 45, so we've got quite a range on there, and this one we're definitely going a bit longer for. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about throwing tomatoes, and basically looking at how, you know, so YouTube commenters have a certain reputation, and it, and it seems like it's like... <laughs> Yeah. It seems like it's a sort of outlandish thing. But in fact, if you look at like the history of audiences, like YouTube commenters really sort of uh, more represent what audiences were like throughout history and not so much like the sort of passive audiences we have today who just sort of politely clap, you know, regardless of performance. Should we really be encouraging them by telling them that by by trolling us <laughs> heavily, they're being historically accurate? I actually think, well, one of the things, though, like when you see here, uh, as we'll talk about in a bit, it, it really like then the rest of the audience kind of comes for the comments almost as much as they come come for, you know, come for the, what's actually, you know, our videos or whatever. They're coming to see the reactions. So it's like the Again, like the audience kind of, uh, as we'll talk about, is the is sort of part of the show and part of the entertainment. So, so, so essentially what you're saying is people watch our channel because they like seeing us get trolled. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Today I Found Out. Today, just just troll me. Done. Closed off. So if we go back, we, if we look at like, uh, so like in ancient Greece, uh, you had this you had this sort of like fan interaction uh, constant. So the actors up there, they weren't expecting to, to you know, just do a show and, not, and have a polite applause. They, I mean, the, the audience would throw stuff at them or you know like if they were if they were performing badly or like you know heckle them and like there was a back and forth between the audience and the performers which is sort of an expected part of the of the show yeah and we sort of see that same thing over you know you go to the roman gladiatorial games and stuff like that where the audience would throw food like if the gladiators weren't doing what they wanted or like a bad show or whatever like you know they'll throw whatever into the at them i can imagine it with the with, with the roman gladiators a lot more kind of because that's like an inherently enormously violent thing but do you know what they were performing back in because whenever I think of ancient Greece I think of like really smart people giving speeches and it doesn't you know throwing yeah, well, well, they had plays and things like that obviously you have those old theaters that are still I, I don't know some of them you can go visit like the historic sites and things and so oh, yeah. yeah they had they had these sort of and you had the I, what is it the Academy Awards one of those has like the masks and it's sort of like based on that old uh, concept of like the comedy in the the theater is that right is that 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 two masks in the sad mask and the happy mask that kind of reflect is that what you're talking about that reflects drama yeah Huh. Yeah, and I don't know if that was actually like an actual thing back then, but it was, I, I think whoever came up with that was sort of, it was representative of that, like, uh, you know, classical, you know, acting. There you go. Yeah, it seems like less appropriate to be throwing stuff at those dudes rather than like the gladiator who's fighting a friggin' bear or whatever yeah. they fought back then. Yeah, exactly. And so if we go forward like a little bit more to better documented times, so you have yeah. like the Shakespearean times where they were, I mean, they were, they were like throwing rotten eggs, like anything. So you had this like fancy Shakespeare happening, right? Like we think of it as all like but only fancy to our like and highfalutin to our modern to our, our modern selves yeah. right it, back in the day yeah. it was for everyone yeah exactly back in the day you'd have like the cheap seats were the ones by the stage like so you had this like classic horseshoe shape of the theater right that everyone you know people are generally familiar with i think and so you would have like the wealthy people sitting up around <laughs> in like the uh, in the top yeah and they're looking at in and it's because they want to see what the audience 
is getting up to and like what is how is the audience interacting with what's happening on stage right like how what are they you know throwing or what's what are people getting up to oh like our youtube trolls like the people who come to watch us getting <laughs> trolled it's essentially the rich people go to shakespeare they sit up <laughs> high above the, the people in the cheap seats throwing stuff at the actors and they're like this is as, this is as entertaining as shakespeare it's and you can imagine like before like the lighting the fancy lighting on the stage like you had the like the pit like down there by the stage was all well lit and everything and so you could see what was going on and it was just sort of like this expected part of the show like the audience was a part of the show um with and so like if the performers were performing badly they'd chuck rotten eggs or whatever like going to the theater was as ma- uh, almost as much about watching the other people as it was about watching the- it's like today it's completely different like if i'm in the theater or the cinema can you imagine if you just turn around and someone's staring at you you'd be like this is totally weird like what is up whereas back in the day you were always watching the people more than the stage yeah it was uh, it was what's most entertaining is the audience being more entertaining than what's on the show and like if you put on a good show of course you're going to get you know the cheering and everything and people are going to be really into the show and uh, and that was actually sometimes a problem as well for the performers because like if they did like a really good speech or something and the audience was really into it like they'd throw stuff like at the people if they didn't repeat the speech you know like it was just kind of a thing and Shakespeare uh, himself would actually write these so he has these like you know these these dramatic scenes but the you know the people in the pits they get bored with those and so he would like <laughs> intersperse he would intersperse these sort of comedy scenes like in between just to you know it was like of a body nature or whatever to really you know get them just laughing and so the show the could go scenes. on yeah exactly so you placate them for a little while so you can move on to the next dramatic scene or whatever without you know them getting all upset and throwing stuff it is true like Shakespeare could be super super serious and then suddenly they'll be like a really crass joke that you know yeah it is quite like I guess we'd call it in, in point slapstick in, in a current day exactly and so and so like from this tradition of throwing food and whatnot or whatever like if the audience was just getting bored or whatever yeah uh, at the Shakespeare and there's this idea as it's a myth that uh, that tomatoes that's how the throwing tomatoes at the stage at actors and stuff got started so you have like you know rotten tomatoes like it's actually like a it's like a trope now yeah. it's like but but no one no one in modern times does that but and so it was there was this idea that it started with Shakespeare but it turns out that actually was not correct because uh, tomatoes are a new world item and they didn't actually come over uh, to or they weren't very popular in Britain until about the mid 18th century and of course we're with Shakespeare we're going all the way back to the 16th century no eggs being thrown at Shakespeare but things were thrown you said what were they throwing yes so they throw like rotten eggs and like things like that (laughs) way worse I'd take the tomatoes exactly but to get to the tomatoes tomatoes uh, you have to go all the way you have to go quite a bit into the 19th century over in America and so we have like the first documented instance of this was in uh reported in a New York Times article and uh 1883. Yeah. Do you want to read that? Is this the the John Ritchie thing? Yes. Oh yeah, I yes, like this. Correct. <laughs> I'm going to screw this up, but let me give it a go. John Ritchie made his debut before a Hampstead audience at Washington Hall a few evenings ago. He had a crowded house and was warmly received. In fact, it was altogether too hot for him. There being distributed among the audience a bushel or two of rotten tomatoes. The first act opens with Mr. Ritchie trying to turn a somersault. He probably would have succeeded had not a great many tomatoes struck him, throwing him off his balance and demoralizing him. It was some time before the audience could induce him to go on with the performance. He next attempted to perform on the trapeze. As he lay upon the bar with his face toward the audience, a large tomato thrown from the gallery struck him square between the eyes, and he fell to the stage floor. Just, I shouldn't laugh at this, it's just so bad. The poor guy, he's like just trying to perform. Stage floor just as several bad eggs dropped upon his head. Then the tomatoes flew thick and fast and Richie fled for the stage door. The door was locked and he ran the gauntlet for the ticket office through a perfect shower of tomatoes. He reached it 
and the show was over. Oh, Richie. So, and he actually kind of got off lucky because there's also like all these, uh, you know, documented instances of like American audience, they like tearing up the chairs that they're sitting on and checking them at the performers. And like, I, I would think that would be much worse than like the tomatoes and even the rotten eggs because you might actually like actually get injured or You know, like or serious bodily injuries from someone throwing a chair. This, I, I, you told me about this one before about the, the, the throwing of the chairs and this I think is so funny because it's just so removed from what we're used to like this you know the, the rotten tomatoes and the eggs and stuff is all good and fine but like you just imagine some dude in his 18th uh, 19th century garb like gone to the theater he just gets angry he stands up and he starts tearing a chair apart and you actually like that's where um, so the movie Tombstone there's this scene in there where where the, the cowboys are all sitting in the cheap seats or whatever and the actors are all just getting stuff chucked at him and like you know the audience is really rowdy and then like the one guy it's, it sort of shows it a pretty good depiction of how they controlled this like the one guy comes out and gives this great speech and then like he wins the audience on his side and instead of throwing stuff they start cheering and it's like this was just like what the actors had to deal with back then wow this is like in many ways it's much worse but it would also be a lot more in like theater's fine i i you know i, li- I like it but it's this this would be uh this would be different. I went to the Globe like they reconstructed the the Shakespeare's Globe Theater. I, I must have been a kid, and then I went there with like a, on a school trip a couple of times. There was none of this. It was very historically accurate. They even did the the thatch roof, which was banned in London after I think the Great Fire. And so there's just this one building in London with this thatch roof. So everything like super authentic, super good looking, but they were they were still very serious about their Shakespeare, and you know there was there was no throwing of stuff. And I remember being enormously uncomfortable because they had like authentic bench seats and they'd be like yeah. really it's like three hours long and there's not even a cushion well yeah and you could see like yeah if you're sitting on those for a long time and you got like a long dramatic scene going on oh. then, you know they get audience is going to get a little restless 14 year old simon desperately wanted to tear up that bench and start throwing things <laughs> Yeah, it, so in a lot of ways, it really resembles sort of like the like the uh, the online comment, you know, like in YouTube is classic or Reddit or something where it's almost like the comment section is part of the show. You know, like you go you go just as much to sort of read through and see what clever things people have said or whatever. And, you know, as much as you do sometimes to actually watch the thing. They didn't have security or anything. They just basically it was like, how do we stop getting pelted with eggs and bits of chair? Just do well, a better performance. Exactly. <laughs> or I, I'm sure like a lot of these actors are probably amazing at controlling the crowds you know like uh you know they they probably had their little tricks and stuff that they do to get the crowd on their side and so yeah so that that brings us into like how did these shows ever go on and like like how did they ever actually get to the end and it was you know do a great performance a great show and you're going to get the audience on your side that's one way to do it and it was key though to get the audience on your side right from the start there's this like social it's you know it's like it's a bias like so if you can get like five percent of the people on your side so for instance there's this uh, social influence bias a randomized experiment it was uh, published in the american association for advancement of science yeah and it showed that like just five percent of people didn't matter you know if you have like a massive audience side if you can get them on their side the other 95 percent will follow and likewise like if the five percent go against you the other 95 percent will follow and it didn't really like make a difference the quality of the performance or the quality of the thing like it was really just that sort of initial seed so like another trick they had up their sleeves was to basically you know like you know, have your friends and family and stuff come and like cheer you and get you know and you still see some of that you know today and so it, it was like a great way to just like win over the audience um even without your performance necessarily 
necessarily being strong. Is 5% really the figure? That seems yeah. crazy low. Like, so if yeah. you've got an audience of 100 people watching your, like, your, your one man today I found out show, like, hi, welcome. And you could do something pretty bad, you know, just unresearched. Do like how the moon landing was faked or something. <laughs> and just have five people be going, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone else will be like, all right, I guess, I guess this is great. You see this type of thing on like online comments, right? Like, so like on Reddit. So, yeah. so the first like few, like if you post a comment, if you get some good upvotes right away or good or downvotes, like that's going to determine and it's not just the Reddit algorithm, but also just like people. I mean, you know, if you see like a thing that's got like 500 upvotes a comment, you're going to, you're going to see it in a more positive light. And like, we see this all the time on like uh, social media and everything where it's just like that initial response makes a huge difference on how like we see that when coming in later. Have you ever been on uh, on Amazon? I think this is like probably a good example. Uh, I mean, <laughs> have you ever been on Amazon? It's like, have you <laughs> more specifically, you know, like you go in there and you're like, so you, I don't know, you've bought something and it's not very good. And you're like, oh, it kind of does what it's supposed to, but the, it feels like super plasticky and, you know, made in China for four cents. And you go in there and you're like, mm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give them two stars because it is functional, but it's pretty bad. And then you go on there and you're like, but it's got 4.7 average with 300 reviews. I got to be missing yeah. something. This must be the best thing in the industry. And then the next thing, you know, you're giving them four star review and being like, well, it does do what it says on the tin. Well, because you do. And at that point, you start thinking, oh, maybe I just got a bad one. Maybe, you know, maybe everyone else like <laughs> theirs was better. Like I just had, you know, every everybody, sometimes products don't come, you know, and so you might start to assume. But yeah, it's exactly that. That sort of a, that sort of audience reaction influences you even on like, you know, voting and like you know ratings and things like that and the same thing is when you're when you're in a, a physical audience so it starts out as like you know you had your uh, like roman emperor nero he had he would get his soldiers into the crowd to sort of <laughs> operate it his they would cheer for him and then everyone would start cheering for his performances you know uh, and so you had this and eventually like it actually became sort of a paid thing like people had a business of this so you if you fast forward to like france oh, in the mid go. 18th century yeah, yeah how so long did that this... take three days <laughs> yeah so there was this guy who developed like a professional is a clacky service Ooh. and it was uh his name was he's only known as a satan uh and he had this he would he had these people who were so professional like he had people if you wanted someone who was a master at laughing you know he could get that for you they were called rias and then they had people who were like um you know adept at crying like if you wanted just like a little tear or like really just wailing or whatever that like, the pluras or i'm i'm butchering these pronunciations i'm sure but uh, <laughs> you said <that> you- <laughs> I'm looking, we, we, we have like a, a document that we're kind of like, has, has some notes about pronunciations in I'm like, I, I, I'm not even going to try, but Plurissa, sit down, sit down. Yeah, so yeah, ex- excuse our French pronunciation, but. Uh. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it, he had any anything he wanted. He had that and he also had the chief de claque, who was the person who was, who was just in charge of like organizing these people. So how many people do you want? Did you, I mean, he could even do all the way up to an entire audience of people if you wanted and they could be this chief de claque would organize they would work with the director and the actors of when they wanted him, the audience to do this or that and so like if you wanted the whole audience like maybe if you were going to do like um, an opening night show and you knew the reviewers are coming and so you would just have all the rest of the seats go to just this paid audience basically Whoa. and so they could basically influence the reviewer get good reviews and then your show you know would be packed uh, going forward two things one that's got to be enormously expensive you're just filling up an entire theater with people who are just paid yeah. to be there and cheering at a times and two yeah. was this before they knew they needed just five percent to really get everyone over because surely that if you put ten percent you're like doubling your odds of you know it's gonna well, be yeah. a storm and that's where the, this this person overseeing them like they they would 
talked to the director like how do you want them distributed what was the best dis- distribution like if you just wanted like a, a small handful of people you know and around the audience and just to get the maximal influence because if they're all just in a little pocket it might not you know have the same effect as if they're <laughs> spread around the audience wow the people um, in row floor love this everyone else feels largely indifferent you had this like professional clacker services or clacky services yeah. and then uh, this sort of evolved and it spread from France everywhere I mean you had it like the there's a Chicago Tribune uh, newspaper clipping from 1902 where the same thing and it would like it had developed to the point where it was almost like a theater in of itself like so they had these like uh, the Chicago Tri- Tribune clicking has this like describes these women who were strategically seated up front and they were just to faint on cue you know when they were supposed to and then these guys would run up and like save them you know with their little handkerchiefs and like uh, and so it, it almost became absurd at that point did women actually faint I think we, we made a video about this but it was a while ago it was something to do with like they did faint but it was also the social conditioning right yeah exactly so they they did I mean they were wearing these corsets that were really tight and they couldn't breathe um, <laughs> great great so, idea guys and so they had fainting rooms where they would go like if they started to get lightheaded you know you would go to your fainting room or whatever and then of course there was just like the social aspect of it they were expected like if someone said something uh, you know a little bit risque or whatever they were expected to faint from it so to be ladylike or whatever so there's a lot of faking going on as well but it was it was actually sort of a thing for a time fainting room that's amazing like it's like you know when someone's describing like their house and they're they're exceedingly rich they're like well i've got my parlor i've got a library and it's like i've got a fainting room well and then it was what they did else in those fainting rooms i don't know we don't want to get the explicit rating but yeah that we'll just say the um that is how vibrators were invented yeah, and so not only did you have these, it didn't take long for people to realize like, hey, if we can influence, you know, they'll pay us to influence the audience positively. They'll probably pay us to also not influence the audience negatively. So they had this like whole like extortion thing going on where they people, you would pay them to not come and boo and like turn the audience against you, even if you had a good performance. Oh, wow. So you'd have reverse clackies, clackers, clack, whatever it was that the French yeah, was. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Wait, so I'd be running a play and I'd be like, this is going to be fantastic. It's the best best play of the millennium and you know people would come and then everyone loves it and i'm being lauded and then it's like some dudes like listen man i'm gonna get five people into or like say there's a hundred people there i'm gonna get five in and i'm just gonna have them like give you a hard time and then everyone else is gonna think it's crap because have you read this study in the american psycho or whatever it was <laughs> obviously he hasn't because yeah. it was several years <laughs> later but yeah that's yeah, a bad time yeah. that that seems like straight up extortion yeah it, it, it was exactly that wow. and uh, and a lot of these people uh, a lot of the clackies were actually aspiring actors themselves on both both the positive and the negative side and just you know practicing their performances as well and getting free tickets to the theater in some cases well they're like extras yeah so again like you have this whole thing where the audience was a part of the show right and so like when did this change because like you say you go to a Shakespeare play today you're not people are not going to be throwing rotten eggs at the performers (laughs) let's go back to the breaking up the chairs the dude in the like I'm sure it's not accurate but I just imagine him like dressed like Abraham Lincoln or something you know in those like long uh, tails thing and he's just like <laughs> ripping yeah. up a chair in anger well well to be fair the the people in the cheap seats were tended to not be in <laughs> not the fancy like dress Abraham per se <laughs> like that those were the people in the upper you know horseshoe looking at looking down at the the melee below you know the, the performance sorry you were telling me about when this changed because obviously it's, it's not like that today although i think if we ever do like today i found out live show I, I think we should encourage this but we'd definitely have to seed it with like five people and get like some fans and be like guys listen it's not very well, good if nothing else 
if nothing else, I really want like like the Ig Nobel Prize where they're like throwing paper airplanes and trying to hit you with them. And like maybe that the little girl who stands on stage and is like, I'm bored. We should do a video about the Ig Nobel Prize in and of itself and like yes. highlight some of the best ones. And then maybe they'll give us one because I really want one. <laughs> it's very cool. They should give you one for the, the, the can shaking video. About, I, absolutely. It I, seems I, right I, up their street. How do you get on their radar? I, I think I actually have to publish publish it in a journal, but I have all the data I could. Oh. So it, so it, it's not entirely silly. It is they yeah, do they, that's, unpublished. That's the that's sort of the general idea. Is it sort of like this actual like a you know professional research on something that's just like absurd? Like the like they had the um uh the one was like this person who invented a bra. It was a it was, who which was also a gas mask. Like it was just a portable wow. gas mask. Or they had uh, another funny one. And I don't think they determined why, but there was a study on they determined that strippers earn more when they're ovulating in tips than they do when they're not. Have you heard of the one the guy who cracks his knuckles? I think this may be the most famous one. Where yes, it's like yes. The guy just, he's like, I think his mother told him when he was like, don't crack your knuckles, it'll give you arthritis. And so for his whole life, he just doesn't crack one hand and just cracks the other continuously. And then it's like yeah. 60 years later, he's like, look guys, sample size of one, but come on, nothing happens. <laughs> So you had this thing start to happen where like audience interaction was was expected in the and the the performers would you know the shows were meant to interact with the audience as well there wasn't like this fourth wall but that like with advancements in like stage lighting and things like that that gradually started to change where the focus shifted to being what's on stage is the show yeah. and so you sort of had this like gradual change and it, it's quite recent in history like obviously from that like 1902 uh, Chicago Tribune article you see like it wasn't that long ago that it was still the rowdy audiences and then so you saw Sort of had this like now that the performers are starting to do like pretend that what was happening on stage was real and not just sort of like uh you know make believe or whatever and so it became more and more expected for the audience to sort of let that to not break that fourth wall that was sort of like went up wait so this is quite a so much of what we see now it's just i'm so used to it's very rare to watch something on the stage that is not basically the actors are in their own little world and they you know you're they think it's real essentially that's what they're pretending yeah. so this so was this is had, a relatively recent invention yes so you oh. had this like shift in the shift in that like before that it, I mean you interacted with the audience that's what you did the audience was there they you know they know your actors or whatever you're making <laughs> believe this sounds more fun in some respects I'm sure like for the people sitting up above because I'm sure to be in the pit would probably sometimes especially <laughs> like in the front row wasn't yeah. the most fun because you're probably also getting hit with eggs and stuff you know uh, if the performance is going bad time, yeah. but like and so then as you had this happen where like the audiences gradually became more passive and the performance where you know the fourth wall goes up you start to have where now all of a sudden the wealthy patrons sitting up high and way back they want to sit up front they want to see what's going on on the stage the audience you know below isn't doing anything so you had this shift where now like the seats got more comfortable there they throw out the wooden benches like you say uh and so now now they're sitting up front and you can imagine like these people paying a lot of money to see these shows sitting up front are not appreciating like if stuff's getting hitting them that's meant for the actors on the stage so the rules started to get more strict um very quickly to where it was no longer like this was not no longer accepted as a you know in, a, in theater oh, they ruined it for everyone didn't they except but, for the actors they probably appreciated it probably but you still see this like so there's still elements of this you see in a lot of different like not in theater and not in maybe like you know um things like that but you see it in like comedy shows like you go to especially like when comedians are first starting out right you see these like yeah. you know if they're not particularly funny they're you gonna suck. get heckled <laughs> yeah 
exactly. They're going to get heckled. And if they can't deal with that, like they have to become very good at dealing with that or else, the, you know, the, the hecklers will turn the audience against them. And you see that again, the, the hecklers influencing the rest of the audience. You were, you were talking earlier about, you know, they must be masters of controlling a crowd. Like I, I love stand-up comedy. I've been to a bunch of shows and it's like, these guys, are, if they're good, they're masters. And I've been to like, you know, open mic nights where it's people just starting out. And it's like, if, yeah. they, don't, if they don't get that under control, it's like they are done it's so cringy yeah exactly and they might kill the show beforehand but before that it wasn't necessarily like the audience might not necessarily mind if they finished you know if the show ended early because it was you know they wouldn't have been reacting that way had it not been a crappy show in the first place and so the 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 audience you know throwing stuff and heckling is more fun to watch than the show going on and so yeah it's the same sort of thing at the the comedy shows where you have some of the cringeworthy comedians just starting out yeah that's true it's always a lot about and i imagine must have been the same fast just how do those actors deal with it? And you got the or the opposite, the comedian who's just like someone heckles them, and the comedian just utterly destroys that person. And it's just yeah, like you exactly. S- that's the most satisfying thing. And they win the audience right back on their side, yeah. even if they even if they were having a poor performance up until then. You know, <laughs> you're just, just like, oh, all right, yeah. yeah. And so you see that you still see it at uh, pop and rock concerts and stuff. Like, um, you know, the, you have like the David Bowie, the famous incident with his little uh, where he got the the lollipop chucked at him and it lodged in his eye, the stick of it have you seen the photos of that yeah absolutely amazing it's just i remember when we were when we were making this video and i was like i could have looked this up and so i was was doing it it's like it is it looks like it's been placed in his eye yeah and it's like yeah and then you know he he had a security guard take it out and the show went on you know Uh, but yeah so you still see that sort of thing and then uh going back further like the the beatles obviously um with the jelly baby incident oh yeah the little bullets i love this one yeah so you have like uh, for those not familiar you had like (laughs) so george harrison says to the some news outlet that his favorite treat is jelly babies and so for about a year from 1963 to 1964 so they start it starts in the uk where they're throwing jelly everyone just starts hucking jelly babies at the at the beatles during performances and so then they go over to america where they don't have jelly babies and they have jelly beans it's really important to point out these are really different things (laughs) would you like to describe jelly babies for everyone yeah i mean we have both jelly beans and jelly babies but jelly babies are they're bigger for one they're maybe i'd say twice as long as like a standard jelly bean maybe even a little bit more they're less heavy they're less dense and they do have like a hard outer casing but it's guys really weird like anyone who knows what a jelly baby is who's listening to this will see where i'm struggling because it's kind of like a crusty outer layer that's kind of like maybe slightly crystallized sugar and then you can kind of break that and then inside there's like weird jelly but it's not it's it's not as chewy as a jelly bean it's definitely softer like if you were standing against a wall and you said can you pelt me with jelly beans or jelly babies jelly babies would be kind of a more like this is a mild irritation compared to like jelly beans where it'd be like i'm a little bit worried about my eyes yeah like maybe a little bit more like a like a gummy bear or a gummy worm or something like you're not gonna yeah a gummy worm would be a decent because it's kind of like i imagine that's the same level of annoying yeah yeah and so so they come over to america and now they're getting pelted with jelly beans at like every show like just constant throughout the show just like people hucking (laughs) jelly beans and so uh, so like george harrison has this great quote from a a show in washington dc which uh, you want to do you want me to read that i see it right here um 
I'll uh, again, we're like pussyfoot around the explicit thing. So uh, he he probably didn't say exactly this. But that night we were absolutely pelted with the uh, things. <laughs> to make matters worse, we were on a circular stage, so they hit us from all sides. Imagine waves of rock hard little bullets raining down on you from the sky. If jelly beans traveling about fifty miles an hour through the air hit you in the eye, you're finished. You're blind, aren't you? We've never liked people throwing stuff like that. We don't mind them throwing streamers, but jelly beans are a bit dangerous, you see? I think that you see at the end, I feel is the most British thing anyone could ever say. Like, you see? Exactly. And so they, yeah, they had to deal with this for like an, their entire tour. And it even like, there was a report, they had a show in 1964 in San Francisco where it got so bad that they actually fled the stage twice. And like, they wouldn't, they were like, we're not coming out until you stop throwing jelly beans at us. You still see this sort of like elements of these classic audiences here, like even some more modern day stuff. And like uh, sports is another example. Like it, so sports, you know, fans can be pretty rowdy sometimes. And so you have like baseball games in the early 20th century where this rowdy audience thing was still going on was like so the, the players at this time would just sit along the field like there wasn't like a dugout at first. And so the, the fans were right behind them and just, you know, baseball is a game of failure. So there was a lot of reason to heckle and, you know, taunt and things like that. And that, that was actually part of the reason the dugout got invented in the first place was to not only get the players out of the way of people paying to see or whatever, but also just to have that barrier between the fans and the players. You are going to need to do some over-the-pond translation. I don't even know what a dugout is. Also, like, <laughs> baseball has this unique, you know, like in basketball, you have like the players sitting along the, the, the sidelines yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're really know, close to the, the, like in base uh, in basketball, I'm always surprised, like the audience are right there at the side of the court. Yeah, in baseball, it used to, and, and to some extent, baseball is still like that, but there, they are, there's a little bit removed. But yeah, so you had kind of that same thing and so the dugout is actually like dug into the ground like it's below field level uh. and so you kind of like if they're standing up their kind of eye level is you know maybe um, a meter off the ground or something like that okay um, and it was and it was partially just to have this barrier from the fans just constantly taunting and throwing stuff at them <laughs> if they're performing badly or you, you know it goes the other way too like they would cheer and stuff if you did awesome things and and so it actually like this was just a classic part of the sport and even like fast forwarding had like the there's an incident a great incident i think it was the only woman to ever bat during a major league baseball game it was this woman named kitty burke and she uh -huh. was just heckling this this baseball player called joe ducky medley she was heckling and him she, yeah she was heckling him just mm -hmm. constantly and finally she just got up from the audience walked onto the field grabbed the bat from him and was like here i'm going to show you how to hit and like no one objected and everyone's cheering, of course. And so the, the pitcher, it was Paul Daffy Dean. He threw her a pitch like just as a, you know, whatever. And she she actually hit it and grounded out. And then, you know, she got a, you know, standing ovation. She grounded out. Off. Sorry. <laughs> OK, she she hit the ball. But I got to watch. I got to watch a baseball game at some point. So because I know you're really into it. And then we can and then we can. I, I saw one. I was in Las Vegas and they had it on the big screen. So I put like twenty dollars on the game and I watched it. But I didn't pick up the terminology. But sorry, yeah. Karen. So she she hit the ball into a fielder, so she didn't make it to first base, basically. Oh, but, okay. So you know, but you have this sort of like the audience didn't care because the audience like this is like this is entertaining, right? And that's they're paying to see entertainment. Yeah. So even though she was interrupting the show, so it's like almost like this classic audience thing, and you still see that today. Like uh, so, like at a baseball game or soccer game or 
whatever, you'll have like a fan running out on the field sometimes, right? And it's it's totally interrupting the play, but but in general, the rest of the fans really love it. Like they'll cheer and like they especially if the if the fan running around on the field can evade capture from the security guards for like a while. Like it's a great like everybody loves it. Yeah, it's I'm in two I'm in two minds about it. I gotta say, okay, so like if you watch a football game and there's a streaker or something, I'm not a, a, a soccer game. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, I'm not a big, big soccer fan. For me, this is like super entertaining. I'm like, this is awesome. Kind of random disruption. But then I'm also quite a tennis fan. If someone shouts out, they'll just be the stern umpire and it'd be like, quiet, please. Quiet, please. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting because you can see like the tennis is probably a little bit more like a highbrow sport, I think, like the fans that go to it. And so yeah. it's maybe a little bit more proper or whatever. And you see this like at if you go to a, a American football game or a baseball game, if you go in the cheap seats, you get that rowdy <laughs> still audience still, wild. but they're they're just too far from the from the you know action to really hit somebody. If they they still throw stuff, like if you go like and you sit below these these things sometimes or, or you're in it, like people throw stuff still. And it, so it's like this element of like the classic audience is still there. It's just more muted because there's a lot more rules and like you get kicked out of the stadium if you you know interrupt the play or like if you run out on the field like in um, baseball at least you'll get you're going to spend the night in jail like that's seriously what's gonna happen to you. yeah or at least at least at the uh, i should say i believe that's the same everywhere but like and for if you go to like safeco field the mariners like yeah you get to spend the night in jail if you <laughs> go out on the field uh, and so there's so these awesome. rules so it, it does like, sort of how did you get your criminal record well <laughs> potentially employer let me tell you a story <laughs> Well, and you particularly, you might have great video footage if, like, this if you if you ran around good and then made the security guard like clotheslines you and like a great takedown, oh. like yeah. But yeah, the the audience loves that, right? And so it's like that same thing, like classic. They they love to watch. The audience was part of the show, and if the audience was more entertaining, what was happening on stage, like that's great. It's still entertainment, right? Yeah, I, I like it. I think you know, there's there's always a place. Like I would not be objected. Like taking it all the way back to the start, if there was a theater, although okay. Pantomime, though. Do you have pantomime? No. No. <laughs> okay, so do you know what pantomime is? Do I need... Because I... <laughs> Please I, describe it. like... A- Vaguely, it's like a super. Uh, at least I wasn't sure, but I guess it's a super British thing. It feels incredibly British. I personally hate it. It, it is this kind of interactive theatre. I mean, no one's like dressed like Lincoln, breaking up a chair and throwing it at the stage. It's really interactive. So there'll be like the classic example I could probably give is there's a man on the stage, and then there's like another person behind him, and he'll like pretend that he doesn't see this person. He'll be like, he'll look behind him, and the guy like hide behind like a, a bush, and the audience will be like, he's behind you, and the guy looks behind him and he's where and they'll be like he's behind you and obviously it's really targeted at children and i was just thinking like how fun it would be to have like some theater where there's more interaction like there is at sports or at concerts and stuff but then it would be pantomime and i'm like i really don't like that at all well from the sound of that level of entertainment i think you kind of need the audience to do something entertaining with pantomime you need the audience to start throwing stuff to be quite honest (laughs) that would be a lot more entertaining than that sounds Maybe watch it on YouTube. If there hasn't been, we need to do it. What is pantomime? Explained for the rest of the world. This this could be only is sound more boring than the uh, like cardboard box article we did. Okay, here we go. Um, I looked it up on Urban Dictionary because 
you know, why not? A truly mad old English tradition still performed today of rampant, oh yeah, cross-dressing. Cross-dressing's a major part of it. And a carry-on style humor performed on stage primarily for kids. Extremely popular at Christmas and always traditionally con- Ah, look, look, contains the phrase, it's behind you, no matter <laughs> what the production. It's- <laughs> this is amazing and it's so true. It's also the place where Z-list celebrities or Z-list celebrities earn their keep. And then- the usage example is completely hat stand all americans should catch one when in blighty it will pop their heads so it just sounds so awful oh it is it is it is truly awful i got dragged to one of these when i was way too old for it i think my dad basically refused to take me and then i'm i'm from a step family and my stepmom was like look your children, they have to go to a pantomime at least once in their life. <laughs> so rage, my, my stepmom. She took us all to go see a pantomime, and then I left, and I was like, Rach, I'm really sorry, but uh, I'm with dad on this one. <laughs> you still see elements of this, this sort of like classic audience, and I think you see it the most when you go to like YouTube comments or like a lot of or, like Reddit or whatever. That's where you really like it shines, it comes out where like the audience is part of the entertainment and it's just like people will say troll comments like not not even they necessarily care you know they'll say something really insulting and it's not necessarily they actually think that they're just trying to get a reaction yeah you know just to see and like when you do respond they they might be like they're like oh hey i love you i like i've been subscriber for years or whatever (laughs) it's like why (laughs) Why are you trolling me then (laughs) yeah exactly and so they have this like and other commenters you know you want to go and see if someone said something really clever or you know like a good pun or whatever these comment threads are part of the show basically part of the whole entertainment package i my my favorite one like those those trolley comments is like where someone would be like you suck and it's like i'll always say something like super serious like i'm i'm so sorry you didn't enjoy this video youtube user 149 um hopefully we'll do better in future and then they you, they do exactly what you say i'm really sorry I, I i didn't realize you were reading these i really like your stuff and it's like thank you stop being a dick well exactly and so you have this i do think in that respect too you have this sort of like there's this like celebrity you and then there's like oh you're a real person you don't you know there's this distinction so there's this great example of this uh there's this baseball player called robinson gano which i'm i'm sure you've never heard of him uh, Nailed he's, it. He's, <laughs> yeah he's uh one of the most famous baseball players I'll just, he, he's <laughs> He's making $250 million right now. So, what? you know, yeah. Ten year contract, so like $25 million a year, if I remember correctly. Anyways. A quarter so, of a billion. Sorry, a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, he's very That's good. Wild. Anyways, that would be a tangent. I'll I'll move on. The point of it is when he first so like he, he used to play for the Yankees and you know, then he went to the Mariners. And so when he came back, when he came back uh, the first time he playing as a Mariner to the Yankees, they had him on a talk show, one of the late night, you know, New York talk shows. And so they did this little skit where they put a cardboard cutout of him just on the street and then they just you know, people would walk up and they'd say, What do you have to say to Robbins and Cano? you know? And so the people oh, would just no. like I know where this is going, like, don't I? <laughs> yeah, YouTube comment city like uh, quality, like they're just insulting, like every little thing. And then he steps out from behind the cardboard, and it's just this. It was just like it's like a, a switch was flipped where it was like in one hand they were just insulting the celebrity Robinson Cano, but then when it when he's standing in front of them, they're like, oh, this is a real person, and the, and they're just completely switched, and they're like, oh, I love you, thanks for all your time, you know, like you're a great player here in New York, like thanks for all your years here and everything, and it's just this like switch. Please tell me this is on youtube oh i'm sure i am on this as soon as this finishes this sounds amazing poor guy yeah and i think you're seeing that like that same thing in the comments like when someone says something really insulting and then you you respond and it's like oh wait simon's a real person yeah like hello (laughs) (laughs) i'm 
I'm a sensitive real man. <laughs> yeah, it is it is that totally, totally different thing. And I perfectly illustrated by that and also illustrated by that comment thing. Like, um, mm-hmm. as soon as you reply, oh, yeah, he might be on the other side of a computer somewhere around the world, but he is real. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's uh, that's all we got on this this part it was just basically the whole point is that we really haven't changed much at all like humans are still humaning we we do tend to human over time it's what we do <laughs> q a we thought this would be a fun section because people always ask us questions on youtube every video we put out how many comments do you reckon we get it's got to be in the thousands right yeah yeah definitely yeah and then i don't know I, I, since they introduced that reddit feature you know with the upvotes and the downvotes and stuff or the thumbs up and the thumbs down i think questions do rise to the top sometimes but normally it's someone just making an you know a funny comment or something but we had some q a's and i actually i actually do read through almost every one of the comments for like the first day like after the video comes i'll like skim through them all and i do actually i have someone my assistant actually goes through and also catalogs any questions so like i have that archive as well today i found out really yeah that's awesome yes i do now i haven't actually looked at it in a while so like that's a thing i i often <laughs> it's like you've got an amazingly organized catalog of questions that you've never looked at well is is because we have so many topics to work on now that just like <laughs> you don't need to check it very often basically yeah yeah i think i see a question here about how we put out seven videos a week and and my answer to that would probably be like by not going through every comments on my side so <laughs> I, <laughs> um but i know you you've we've pulled out a few q a's i think we'll make a job of answering a few of these every week uh, as many as we see fit until they make us go crazy some great ones in here we could start with i've got one here cold shower asks did simon ever have long hair it's a softball one i'll just start with this yes absolutely and i'm very upset that i can't have it anymore <laughs> so like when did you lose when did the hair start going away i don't even want to talk about it i'm like i'm, I'm 30 years old now <laughs> i've been bald like fully bald for a good two years i have been balding since i've been maybe like 23 24 yeah it's it's and i was like that's like that's like patrick stewart-esque yeah it's it's pretty i'm hoping like i have that immortality gene or whatever patrick stewart has because he kind of looks very similar to how he did in the 90s. Yeah. I remember looking at there's that episode where he grows into an old man where he gets taken inside that spoiler alert by the way for anyone who hasn't seen the next generation like 1993 episode or whatever where he gets taken inside that uh that computer program or whatever that simulates his entire life until he dies and he learns to play the flute. Do you remember that one? Yes, that's a great episode. That's a, it's one I think it's one of the that best. That is the that's that is in, it's called the Inner Light, I believe. Oh, well, there you go. All yeah. of this. Do you get uh, I know I have European Netflix. Do you have Star Trek the Next Generation? In, on Netflix in yes. the US, all yes, in HD. Absolutely. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see how it's not shot for HD because Patrick Stewart's like little wispy hairs will be like all going crazy and they have like lint on their uniforms and stuff because, you know, they just took the original 35 millimeter negatives or whatever, remastered them into yeah. HD. But the, the makeup guys and the, the costume guys were not ready for that kind of definition. <laughs> I don't know how old they made him in that, but he looks much better in real life. He has aged much better than fictional Patrick Stewart, p- fictional Jean Luc Picard. Whenever they made him look old, he looked like a crazy old man with skin falling off his face and now he looks like he yeah. did in the 90s well if you see like in dune have you ever watched dune he's in that and like mm. uh, he does he looks so similar to even now and that was like i don't even know that was that was you know well before well before star trek wow <laughs> it's just he never ages let's do a pluto asks why is today i found out called today i found out and you're, like, you're, that's I think for I've you told, yeah <laughs> yeah I, th- I think i've told you like uh the um 
I hate that name so much. <laughs> like, uh, so like when I originally uh, came up with the site, like I was just, I did not think it would do anything. Like it was more of like, a, okay, I'm procrastinating a lot, looking at like, you know, interesting facts and reading stuff instead of like, you know, whatever, working on my little side businesses when I was in graduate school. And so uh, I would, I was like, all right, now how can I make this productive? It was like my thing. And so then I, I was just like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll start this site and whatever, it'd be like a little hobby and, you know, whatever, it'll probably not do anything. But, you know, then at least I'm being productive in some way, yeah. you know, on this. And then so, so I did that. And so I, you know, they had like the today I learned sub uh, subreddit. So I was like, oh, whatever. Nobody wants to learn stuff, but everyone likes to find stuff out. So I'll just go like today I found out. And then like my alternate, I, I gave it like I did give it like a little bit of thought. So like my alternate was like now I think it was um now, you know, was going to be my, my alternate. And I don't know if like the domain wasn't available or something. But I just I ended up going with the day I found out like not much thought I really should have picked a different name because it's just like it's horrible for branding. It gives the wrong impression. It totally gives the impression of like, oh, you're just like reading today I learned and then like doing like writing an article or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not what we do at all. But, you know, this is this is the one I, I, I come across and, and Reddit, you know, uh, interesting crowd on there. And they were just like, if you step wrong yeah. of them, they will tear you apart. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of their website. Don't get me wrong, everyone. I love Reddit. I do genuinely really like Reddit and probably spend way too much time on there. But yeah. yeah, that's often what comes up. I see like today I found out, oh, what is that? Like today I learned just recycled things with yeah. ads. And that totally that totally <laughs> makes sense. Had I, had I given it like any thought whatsoever, I would have been like, yeah, of course people are going to think that. But it just wasn't really, it didn't really cross my mind. You know, like I, I did not give the branding like any much of any thought. So like, yeah. Yeah. I hate the name, but you can't change. I can't change it now. Like, like, well, and the other thing is like six months after I started the site, like uh, then. Um, so I was going to do like now, you know, or whatever. And uh, Dan Lewis, which if anyone is uh, not subscribed to his newsletter and you like our stuff, you're, you'll probably definitely like his. Uh, so his is now I know. And like he came out like six months later. So now now it's not even like a. I couldn't have I couldn't have switched to that if I wanted to. I knew it was familiar. I was trying to remember the guy's name. Dan. Le did we collaborate with Dan Lewis at some point? I feel like we did. Yeah. Yeah. He promoted us a little bit in the early days of the YouTube on his um on his newsletter. It's a it's a great like he does a great job of like it's like only like five hundred words ish, so it's like it's a lot quicker read. You know, a little bit uh, higher level. He doesn't quite go as deep on the facts, but it's still it's like really interesting. Like just a quick read news email newsletter. It's it's quite popular. Yeah, we should talk about the the early days of YouTube, the dark days of like a year of nothing. <laughs> at some point, yeah. you mind if I take that one quickly? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on, really? You have a username that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Are we really doing this? <laughs> uh, Tiktian? Do you do you see that? Tiktian? Do you know that? Is that just a random word, or is that something I'm missing out on? They're going to be like, actually, that's the uh, the Chilean name for a man who lives uh, in the jungle. And be like, oh, come on. Be like, I might pronounce it like Tiktian or something. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> well, Tiktian, this is remarkably appropriate for your question of why do you pronounce everything wrong. Well, I think yeah. for one, I do get, I'd say like 70% of the English words right, I think as a starting point, you know, <laughs> I've really got, you know, like video, YouTube, or people think because of my accent that I'm actually saying like YouTube, C-H-U-B-E, which 
I, I never really yeah, got. Which, and then I realized that's just we how... should ac- we, we should actually do a there is a reason like uh, British people do the chew, you know, like that that sound. And I saw uh, Lindy Beige did a thing on it once uh, I saw it. It was actually quite interesting. And we, we should definitely cover that at some point because it, it was something he never even noticed that he did until someone pointed it out as well. And then it was just like, wow. And then he did like kind of like the why, like the, you know, the linguistically why, why you do that. This is going to be one of those scripts which works amazing as text. And then it takes me so long to go through that script and work out like whenever there's one with like a billion Japanese pronunciations or ones where it's like talking about grammatical structure and I need to work out how, okay, so I need to say this one like this. I need to say this one purposefully wrong and then explain. <laughs> but yeah, no, I look yeah. forward to that. So you- YouTube. Um, <laughs> getting back to the question about pronouncing everything wrong. Uh, basically, when I'm recording a video, there are a few sites I go to and related to the amount of stuff we produce, there's, there's the main one is Forvo, which is like a giant pronunciation dictionary forvo.com great website you can just plug something in so uh before we were doing this we were looking up the french pronunciations for today's main segment and it's like parmentier and then you kind of do like parmentier and one reason is you know maybe they don't have it there's another one called how would you say which is h-o-w-j-s-a-y.com this is one guy who seems to have read the dictionary every word correctly I imagine he's now in a mental institution somewhere because he absolutely went batty from doing that. But it's amazing. The reality is, if it's some like little-known politician from the 1980s, they're not going to be prominent enough to have their name in one of these things. Yes, I could probably go onto YouTube and do a ton of a ton of searching for like an interview that they did that someone has uploaded, and then scroll through the hour-long interview until they say their own name and then attempt to get it right. The reality is that takes when you've got ten of those per episode, it's unlikely to happen you know uh, i say it's unlikely to happen it's i could absolutely spend the time doing that but then you guys wouldn't get a video a week you know it's just yeah then then there's the fact that you'll you'll find like contradictory ones all the time where like you'll find like five different pronunciations and they all seem like the person knows what they're talking about you know some of them be like oh native speaker or whatever and but there's like several native speakers who, who who have different way of pronouncing it and you're like okay which one right or the related to that, do you want to pronounce it the way that they do in that country? Or do you want to uh, pronounce it the internationally accepted way? And then you'll get people saying, oh, you know, we actually say it like this. Or it's like, I know, I know. But most people around the world say it like this. And then there are some which I just get absolutely wrong because apparently I'm dumb. Like, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just you just think you know how to pronounce something like that happens all the time. Or like even when I'm writing an article or something like I'll think I know what a word means. But then it's like, no, no, I don't actually know what that word means at all. <laughs> I got a particularly embarrassing one. I, I was pronouncing for the first 25 years of my life. You know, there's the, the Nobel Prize. Yeah. I was absolutely every time. Yeah, the Nobel Prize for people who are noble. I mean, I knew it was from Alfred <laughs> Nobel. But I thought his name was Alfred Noble. Uh, and, and Which, uh, no, one uh, to, it, no one deemed to correct me. <laughs> an interesting aside on that, he actually had the nickname the Merchant of Death. Like a lot of people don't know that. He actually made like explosives and like, you know, weapons and things. And so uh, and so the uh, Nobel Prize sort of was uh, has has his has now sort of cleaned up his his image a little bit from when he was actually alive. Did he just feel bad about 
making it exp- was he TNT or dynamite like, this rings bells uh yeah I can't remember now but he, there is there was like the rumor I don't know I think it was uh inconclusive whether it was actually true or just made up that like someone um uh, accidentally they thought he died and so they published an obituary and it was basically <laughs> oh, no. like this is the merchant of death and so uh so yeah it was and so then he kind of wanted to clean up his image so there's like that story but I'm not sure if that one is actually like verifiable that that's actually what happened or if he just you know like was all right I got this fortune what what should i do with it after i don't need any more when i die so wow yeah um now he's just remembered for giving away loads of money to people who do good things alfred nobel yeah he doesn't have a bell that's how i remember it pick a question man what do you see there what do you like okay how about about this one Uh, why does simon's accent sound so fake by uh see let's see sidey stracker asked that I don't know. I'm hoping that this kind of podcast lets people know that this is how I actually sound like. I'm not secretly from the Midwest and I, <laughs> you know, actually just put on a fake British accent. So people think I'm, I'm smart or something, which is an, a whole other topic to talk about. <laughs> now, to like, to, like a, to like a British person, like, uh, is, it, is it because you've traveled and like lived around the world so much? Like, do you have like a slightly off accent maybe? Like, is, is that or I don't know. Is it standard? I, I I don't think uh, some some British people might point out might point out to me that my accent does sound a little bit off. I think it's probably because I've travelled so much. Also, mm-hmm. f- whole fascinating story. My dad has a fake British accent. Um, he's originally <laughs> he's originally from Zimbabwe and he moved over to the UK. Um, really? Yes, like yeah, in the nineteen nineteen seventies maybe to to be a doctor and. Basically, he found, you know, maybe even especially back then, people were kind of like, I want my family doctor to speak to me in English. And he kind of had this uh, Zimbabwean accent. And he also did a ton of theater when he was a kid and was like, I'm just going to put on a fake British accent to make people feel more comfortable. And that became his accent. He was just like, this is what I what? used to do. And I, and could that have contributed to your accent maybe being like maybe being like a little off? Like as you know you grew up with that? Exactly where I was going with this. I, I don't know. And I think then also traveling around the world, like it's been a it's been a long time since I lived in the UK. I think I've got a few British friends here, but most of my friends are international, whether they're, you know, speaking English as a second language or whether they're American, Canadian, Australian. I I, I think, you know, especially the region of the UK where I come from, it's easy for accents to rub off on you. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's because it's a neutral thing or... So yeah, I tend to have like a very South of England accent or Southeast of England accent and then with a little bit of a weird twang built into it. So I'm not sure if that's Mm -hmm. why it sounds fake, but I guess they did say it sounds fake rather than Simon is faking his accent, which we sometimes sometimes come across. Yeah, I have read that several times where it's like, why has Simon got it? Why is he faking his accent? Like he doesn't need to sound British or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) maybe I should just do a terrible American accent for all the videos just to make people feel more comfortable. (laughs) There was someone, why, why, uh, why does Simon seem to always do American topics when he's British? I think it's like, it's just Simon. Simon is the guy. It's like, he's making, he's, he's writing, he's producing, he's recording. It's just Simon. (laughs) One of the ironies there is like, I think historically today I found out has had more British authors and like, so I don't know. And like uh, Carl Smallwood, (laughs) British. Carl Smallwood, yeah. More topics. Yeah. He suggests more topics than anyone else. But like, you know, I think even, even some of us 
scripts unless I'm I'm mistaken that Carl does. Even those will be some he very rarely explicitly mentions something like but over here in the UK he'll often write it from an American perspective I find. And I think it's just because what percentage of our American or audience is American? It's just with this there's 300 of of you and there's like 70 of us <laughs> or you know million. Well yeah and there and there uh, I guess I guess a lot of the questions that do come in so our audience is more American, you know. So uh, we have more Americans so of course more questions the density of questions is going to be more american based i suppose yes i think it's 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 quite simply it's it's audience driven in a large way and writer driven on on your side and that's well yeah there and there is we i added them all so i always add stuff and so yeah it's probably that and that sometimes we get that complaint where it's like oh why do you mix your british and your american slang and it's like well that's the reason it's because like carl wrote you know three quarters of it and i wrote a quarter so there's it's like a mixing a mesh right and i think when even when when i use slang i there's some american slang that i will use like we tend to say mate in the uk much more than we say man i've always preferred man like i'll always it'd be like hey mate how's it going i will always use man i don't know why i've always just preferred it yeah i didn't i did not know that i yeah i know you always say man but i didn't know the mate thing we've been planning a london trip forever we must we must both because to to films and mini docs which i suppose something we can talk about in like the talking about youtube section you'll see like people will call you mate like thanks mate how's it going mate good to see you mate um i'm a man man rather than a mate man Oh, we should do the uh, we should do the uh, most asked question is uh, can Simon whistle? Everyone asks that. Yes, I can whistle. Not particularly well, though. Apparently, <laughs> that was me. We didn't <laughs> stitch actually, it in later. That was that was actually that was good. Oh, thank you. So you caught me off guard. I would come up with something better than I didn't even know what that is. To me, it's always Hitler has only got one ball. The other. I'm sure it's actually a, a more famous tune that I'm unaware of. Maybe some. Do you know that? Yes, I do. Let me think. <laughs> we could Google it right now. What is the tune to Hitler has only got one ball? <laughs> I've never heard that version. You haven't yeah, heard no, that I, I'm version. Blanking. I'm blanking. I can't think of the song. But yeah, that is very familiar. This has got to be like one of those, you know, British Second World War like songs that people sing to get them, you know, anti Hitler. Yeah. I'm googling it right now. Hitler has only got one ball is a British song that marks Nazi leaders using blue comedy in reference to their testicles. Wow, Wikipedia, you really suck the fun out of that, don't you? <laughs> you know, actually, I know, I remember where I know that song from, and it's from Spaceballs, but I'm sure it actually is from something else. And just, you know, the uh, the little uh, people walking along in the desert there in Spaceballs, and they have like the little uh, the little Schwartz guy and everything. But anyways, uh, yeah, they, they whistle it as they're carrying the characters off. Man, are you ready to today? You found out. The Colonel Bogey yeah. March is a march that was composed in 1914 by Lieutenant, or as you would say, Lieutenant F. And I, <laughs> I got a side story about that. I'll tell you in a second. F. J. Ricketts okay. from 1881 to 1945, pen name Kenneth J. Alford, a British Army bandmaster who later became the director of music of the Royal Marines at Plymouth. There you go. There's your answer. It's uh, interesting. I don't know if it's interesting enough for it today, I found out. But, uh, you know, Wikipedia does suck the fun out of things sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> Although there's another one. Do you guys just copy Wikipedia articles and read them out loud? Yes, commenter. That's exactly what we do. Thanks for noticing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so, e- it's so easy. We just like literally just reword it a little bit. And then, you yeah. know, you, you hit record and then we hit publish. It's do you even reword it? I thought process. we used one of those spinners, you know, that will swap out like um, <laughs> synonyms. So it'll be, you know, when you're reading one of those terrible websites and you're like, yeah. oh, 
god, I've clicked onto one of these ones that just swaps out words. Yeah, exactly. And there's no need to verify anything ever because, you know, everything, it's always right. You Dude, know? it comes from Wikipedia. It's all verified in the references section. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant, I'm a massive Star Trek fan and I would just watch this, you know, I was growing up in the 90s and I think it was the, it was the rerun on television of Star Trek The Next Generation that was kind of my growing up one. I never got into DS9, Deep Space Nine for non-Trekkies or, um, uh, but then I got massively into Voyager. They're all, le- they're all lieutenants. Like it would be Lieutenant Tom Paris or Lieutenant Commander Data and all of these guys. When I was at school, I was in like the, the Navy cadets and, you know, you'd have to address people and the, the head of the section was the lieutenant or the lieutenant. I got in so much trouble because everyone else would have no problem pronouncing it lieutenant. And I'd always just been so ingrained with Star Trek that I'd always be, yes, lieutenant. And they'd be like, you're not an American, Simon. So you were already getting that complaint, like even in even in your youth, like uh, you can just... Uh, I've been pronouncing things wrong since 1987. <laughs> what was the question again? Did we answer the question? Oh, can Simon whistle? Yeah, we went on a tangent. Yes. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, if people want to hear me whistle, I think I uploaded two exclusive whistling videos to our Patreon. And I think we had a conversation about not plugging the Patreon on the first episode. But hey, the Patreon, <laughs> you want to hear me whistle more? <laughs> Okay, so self-improvement today. I think we had YouTube on the agenda, right? Yes, we are all about uh, monetization because that's something, like, I feel like that's something like you and I and like people we we kind of talk to, like, we we all know this, like, and it seems very obvious, but then when you go to like the comment sections, it's very, uh, like, because we're in the industry, when you go to the comment sections, like, nobody seems to really understand like how all this works. It's a good idea. I think even when I talk to other creators, sometimes we definitely have some misconceptions about what means what. Like I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about like uh cpms or like what the average amount of Mm -hmm. money you get for a thousand views is and they were saying like i don't think i think we can't actually mention specific values because otherwise youtube would get angry at us but they were saying some amount that was double Mm -hmm. what we were doing and i'm like whoa whoa that's crazy what are you doing man i gotta get on this like that's crazy and then Mm -hmm. it turns out he was basically just talking about the pre-google cut figure you know oh yeah that's a very big figure yeah yeah it's just like wow (laughs) google like the money (laughs) and then i was like okay now i'm less excited because you're making about the same like everyone else (laughs) yeah yeah except for except for like linus tech tips who make you know more because gotta get on that sweet tech money do you think do you think uh linus tech tips because they do you think that that do you think that google money's better yeah i I would absolutely if it's anything like website ads i can say that like yeah it makes a huge difference what your genre is on there and so like so like we do educational and you do a lot of other educational stuff so i imagine it's all pretty similar and we probably educational we probably get more of the general ads because it's not like encyclopedia britannica's advertising you know Uh, (laughs) encyclopedia britannica's still a thing And so like we get kind of the generic. So yeah, I would imagine our what we get is sort of like what most people get. But then you do have these like industries like tech and those tech ads, they they pay a lot because, uh, you know, like yeah, graphics cards are expensive. Computers are expensive. You know, they the advertisers can pay more and still get a profit. Yeah. And then, of course, the NVIDIA ads, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they, they pay uh, much, much better than you get normally. Yeah, dude, I am so familiar with the cost. You were helping me build a computer uh, a couple of months ago and... 
I am now so familiar with the cost of graphics cards and processors. And it's like, yeah, I can see why those yeah. uh, those ad rates go up. And, or, and you pay like, you know, double for some reason. It's a, I, I believe I, we were trying to work this out. Or I was trying to work this out because it is so much cheaper to buy computer parts in the US. Because, you know, you were sending me like, here's, here's a great processor. You should consider getting this. And it'd be like an Amazon com link. And then I'll be like, all right, well, I'll look that up on like my my closest one's Amazon Germany. And it would be like more in euros or more in pounds and you're like yeah. how does this work well i think for one there's a 21 percent sales tax just on mm-hmm. top of pretty much everything right away and then i think mm-hmm. the parts are just more expensive anyway mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, it all kind of sucks we could start and talk about like cpms and this sort of stuff yeah there's like the terminology of uh what what does cpm mean my understanding of it is it's you don't really get paid by cpms but they work out something called an effective cpm so basically if you get a thousand views on youtube it's the amount of dollars you get per thousand views essentially but it's all based on clicks Mm -hmm. uh is that right am i am i on yeah absolutely and so like on a website you might have a cost per click thing but on youtube yeah i think it's sort of i think they sort of mesh it on youtube where they they present it as the cpm like said the effective cpm but i think there is some of the click in there like you get you you do get paid for the click and then so they're just sort of averaging out but they do there are ads that are strictly cpm like they're really like a coca-cola or something that really just wants to i they will just want you to see it yeah. to sort of like be influenced <laughs> and so there are advertisers that do that and then there are the cost per clicks and the cost per actions and the you know the cpc cpa and- but it basically all boils down to that fight like i don't i don't think they even give you much more granularity on you know no they no, don't yeah. tell you what coca Coca-Cola's no. paying for and what you know GeForce graphics cards are paying. It's it's all yeah no yeah it's all averaged out into that final important figure, which we can't tell people because it's against Google's policy. But I'm fairly well, can, sh- we, can we be like vague? You know, like- I, I was about to be very vague, and it's kind of like if you Googled this, you might find people discussing that it's about two dollars. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, ish, and and. It- Depending on the month, you know, like, um, so one thing people probably don't understand is, is that ads very much go on like quarterly and, you know, like what time of the quarter it is. So like I had this explained to me by, um, by an ad person uh, who is, who is, I was, I was just like, why, why is it, why is January so much less? Or why is the first month of the quarter always so much less? And then the last month is always so much more. And then towards the end of the month as well. And he basically said, is, so they have their budgets, right? So they had agencies have their budgets so you know like coke will have their advertisement how much are we going to spend you know they'll have whatever number that is and so they'll give it to their their teams their marketing teams and they'll go out and Mm. they'll go okay so we have a quarter some places have a quarterly budget some places have an annual some places do a monthly and so what it ends up being is so like at the start of the month they're trying to get good deals, right? Uh, so they're gonna they're gonna lowball everything, and so the ad rates go down in the start of the quarter, and so on. Uh, so depending on you know the company and how they do it internally, but so you have that that system. But then towards the end of the month, they're just trying to spend their budget, so they're gonna up the amounts. Or towards the end of the quarter, they're gonna up to just blow their budget to whatever they need to do. And so everybody does that, and so it ends up the CPMs go up towards the end. And you know when you look at it as a as a creator or whatever, you just look at the averages. Um, and so you have this like effect. And then of course you have the ultimate the final final quarter of the year quarter four <laughs> yeah plus all the holiday you know they're all really trying to advertise and so then you get like the ultimate like boost and then you have like on the other side of that you have like the first quarter like
like January where there's the rates, the rates are awful. February, the rates are awful. And February is a short month too. So you're just, you know, not going to make nearly as much. It's, it's interesting. You've got to be like aware of these things. And psycholo- like as a YouTuber, psychologically brace yourself for January because you get all excited. Like December's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Look at these ad rates. This will last forever. And then January comes and they basically cut you off at the knees and it's like, oh great. Yeah. It's half as and much. <laughs> it can totally be. Yeah, exactly. Half as much like that. And, and, and you know, you average the two out and it comes out okay yeah but yeah it comes out slightly less than normal maybe yeah january yeah, exactly. january is always brutal like uh, this january was pretty okay for us i felt that yeah probably... it was we had those like three videos that randomly took off like so the cpms were still bad but like the actual views more than made up for it it's just a shame we didn't like i would take a really bad january yeah i'd swap those videos out i wish we'd done those videos in december but i think also yeah. part of the reason that might happen is because a lot of creators like very quickly you realize oh december's amazing because either you've been through a december or everyone's telling you Mm. december's amazing so everyone ups their production like people will release more videos there'll be more competition they'll save all their like we certainly save some of our best stuff for that couple of weeks before december because yeah you know we know it's gonna be big yeah and we did that double double video run for a week you know just to take advantage as much as possible and then january rolls around and while we keep up our schedule of doing one a day i think a lot of people are maybe a little bit burned out from december there's less competition they've got less of their best stuff coming out and i know i know people who actually like literally just you work really hard because you were really building to have that really awesome november december and then i know a lot of people who just like they take january off they just i'm going on vacation now like i worked like double time you know during the good months and this is going to be a crappy month so i'm just taking it off a youtuber friend of mine described it as january's the month where the real youtubers crack on because they know that (laughs) the long term because in a way you know advertising in december is a short-term gain because yeah you'll you you know you'll make a little bit more money but really while everyone else is is kind of taking a break in january like we doubled Mm -hmm. the amount of views we normally do i reckon yeah maybe yeah in january yeah and it's Mm -hmm. like that pays off in in subscribers and in people aware of our channel and benefits us in the rest of the months in the year where yeah. you know the money is a little bit better than january yeah, and talk about that that halving so like november uh we actually i think we made about the same in november as january but january had double the views uh, so i mean both november is a great month and january was a good month because it doubled the views yeah. but like <laughs> that that figure of you make half as much money in january is so like depressingly yeah. it true. Is- it is so hard to budget, like to hire like a full time staff or something, because from month to month, the swings can be that 50% drop, 50% swing, and then you'll have a random thing take off. And how are you, how are you supposed to leverage that extra money from the random thing that took off? Because it's not going to be there consistently. So you just have this extra money. And it's not like you can like hire a person for a month or two and just be like, oh, yeah, now you're fired. It would be so nice if we could have like any sort of consistency. And I would love to switch from the contractor model with a lot of contractors. It's really hard to do the type of with the quality we want to get that out from a contract worker, it's just really hard to do. It would be nice to just have someone you train them up and they're just there every day and you can work together. You can kind of like have some dialogue, but you just can't do that with contract workers. It's not real. And you're just one of many contracts that they have. Exactly. And so you completely understand from their perspective, like, yeah, you're just one. I need to get this done and then I need to move on to my next job. And maybe we should we should say, hey, hey, thank you, patrons, uh, because <laughs> that that steady income, that steady income. is very nice. <laughs> it's nice to just know like every month it's going to be there within like a hundred bucks having that reliable income over the the valleys and troughs that's not right Mm -hmm. that's both negative what's the what's the saying peaks and valleys (laughs) the valleys and troughs of youtube the always always (laughs) that that, that actually 
Many people might describe that's the way YouTube ads are going nowadays. How are we doing on demonetization? I, I, I sometimes see we get some demonetized, and it doesn't seem to ever be for a particularly good reason. No, the uh, the one that's still... I mean, obviously, I have I always harp on about the uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Oh, wow, I butchered that. But uh, everyone knows who I'm talking about. Uh, so we have this, like, biography piece on him. And it's just, like, it's a really good piece, I think. It's really fascinating, like, the how is how he sort of like changed his life based on this he was this mock mock execution that yeah. he was put through he thought he was going to die he's he's right there at the gallows he's about to die and then like at the last minute they they pardoned him right uh, and it was all staged beforehand but he didn't know that like none of the people who thought they were going to die that would that day knew that yeah. and so it was just like this and so i i assume that's why it got demonetized was the mention of an ex, of like a mock execution but like it's just a history piece on one of the greatest authors in in human history like how is this not monetizable like it, and i could it killed me that it got confirmed by manual oh, review, I was just like by, yeah and i was just like really that that one kills me and then of course we did, did you see the peanut butter hearing one it got demonetized confirmed yes, by so this review. was a weird one confirmed by manual and i just i was on? like really this is like a court battle about peanut butter like how is this how is this not family friendly monetizable but the weird thing about that one is it got confirmed by manual review and then i checked and indeed it was still monetized but like a week later it was randomly monetized again and i was like so did they someone looked at it again like at some point it is it is a black box of mysteries yeah that makes no sense and i feel that even the ones where it's manually reviewed yeah it would be helpful if they i understand a little bit why they don't because they would get people arguing with them but if they had if they would just say what what in it because that would help us like to just know like what what in there didn't you like so we can guide our future you know video production uh but they don't they don't say anything like what, what 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 is it what, what happened here there's been a do you think so for people who aren't youtubers basically there's a process just i'll just outline it in 30 seconds or less you upload a video you can either you can put ads on it and youtube because they have advertisers who they want to provide appropriate material to they will do what's you know an automatic review so they'll quickly scan the video i reckon maybe they go through the subtitles or the tags you use or maybe they're auto-generated subtitles from speech recognition or the title and stuff and then they'll work out okay this video about the nazis is not appropriate for adverts fine great and then you can appeal that so you can click request a manual review and then someone from youtube will go through and have a look at it and essentially say yes or no yeah that's pretty much it right i don't know if that needed explanation Mm -hmm. i always wonder about like stuff that i am completely familiar with because this is what i do every day and i i I still wonder though if because of like the peanut butter hearing and some other examples like that if sometimes like maybe the people watching it have like a quota that they need to go through and they're not really watching it i i kind of wonder about that sometimes like because some of them it's just like i there's can't possibly be anything in this that's objectionable and being even familiar with what what they do object to you know like i don't know sometimes it's just a complete mystery peanut butter hearings it's about yeah. a it's a, it's about a legal case about what is peanut butter what did we say yeah. we don't square i don't know maybe it's, it's a, the, yeah, maybe it's when big does peanut butter stop being peanut butter yeah exactly <laughs> the, the peanut lobby so they had the new thing, uh, which uh, so now you have to surpass 4000 hours of watch time within the last 12 months from I assume it's from like at any given moment. It's a shifting, a sliding scale. And yeah. then you need 1000 subscribers. And uh, that used to be 10,000 lifetime views, which was the cutoff. But now it's 1000 subscribers and that 4000 hours of watch time within the last 12 months. So okay. what what are your thoughts on that? I need to get an idea of how much watch time that is, because 4000 hours is kind of like a weird. So so for you, not... uh, so, so, so they, they said 
it's basically what was it 99 they so youtube says 99 percent of creators impacted make less than a hundred dollars per year on youtube and so like to just sort of four thousand hours would you know less than a hundred dollars a year there was a lot of uproar about this and maybe this will be a really unpopular opinion in you know with with other creators or within the youtube community but i don't think this is a bad idea you know that that point of them like people make less than a hundred dollars a year on youtube a hundred dollars a year is not a significant amount of money to and i don't want to like be in my like tower or whatever on this but is that a significant amount of money to anyone that's like eight dollars a month i i i'd like eight dollars a month it will pay for my netflix but it's not something that is going to change my life and that was that was the argument youtube made is it's not going to change anyone's life like uh so so but what it does do for youtube itself is there's this like huge number of channels which a lot of people aren't really aware of where they'll just you'll you'll have like a bot so they'll have like a bot that'll go and copy other people's videos post them on random created channels you know and so none of these things get many views right and so yeah. and, and so it's not like a big piece of the the pie but when you combine them if you have like a thousand youtube accounts that do this you like you can actually make good money doing this and so it's all these like spammers and things like that that they're just, this this rule basically uh the idea behind it is to get rid of all of those to make all those pointless because now now those people can't make money and so now hopefully they'll stop doing it ah so i i didn't actually know that was the reason behind this actual move yeah and then on the other end of the spectrum of course it like you say it, it also controls the the content that is advertising so advertisers themselves are, are going to be happier with youtube and like okay and it allows because now there's this threshold this little higher threshold now youtube can get manual reviews of things more and so it's you know they're they're trying to cater to the advertisers too and i think that's a really important thing to bear in mind like youtube aren't doing this because they're dicks they're doing it because they need to yep. keep advertisers as happy as possible. And for people who are professional YouTubers or, or want to go professional, happy advertisers means better ad rates, which means a better career when you're talking money where you can actually do this for a living. And I think that's, yep. you know, and like I said, I don't want to be like the, the guy who does this for a career shooting on people who are trying. But I think once you, you know, $100 a year is not a career. But then if you get those, you know, that thousand subscribers and all of that stuff, then they'll reward you when it makes a difference they're not going to cut off you know a significant income and i i would argue and i think you know this is something i do now like since working on on today i found out i've launched a couple of other channels i won't even turn ads on in the beginning because in a way they they discourage watch time and viewership because if you're getting shown like an ad that encourages people to click away and it might not be many people who click away but some and then the way youtube works the more watch time you have the better and if you don't have adverts then you're going to get a better watch time and that's an advantage over people who do have adverts so it can indeed help a channel at the beginning to not have adverts and i can i can see though from the like yeah it's not going to you know affect anyone really that much like like, like that hundred dollars a year like you said that and that's like the 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 peak right so most people are making much less but i could i could see like for instance when i first started making websites and stuff way back in the day i don't know you know early 2000s so like that that first time like when you make like a dollar in a day like that dollar is like so motivating you're just like i made a dollar you know doing any you know you have other jobs the dollar is nothing to you but it's like that it's almost like that little uh, real reward and like i remember the first 
time, I literally remember the first time I made $20 in a day and it was on like a Thanksgiving and I, I didn't work that day. So I was like, I made $20 and it was Thanksgiving. And I didn't, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Right. And it was just like this huge, and it wasn't, I didn't even actually make the $20 total because it was, I had a business partner. So he made 10 of it. Uh, so, but it <laughs> yeah. was just like that, that, that $10 was like more, like I got more joy out of that than the, you know, than like, like the peak days sometimes now, you know, when, when it's a career and there's yeah. just so much more. And so I could see like, there's this, that's a psychological element for like the, the newly new channel starting out, like to not get that dollar, like to get to see that dollar. Like that's true. I think like having done this a while you do get a little bit blind to it it's like I, it is exciting where it's like record day you know december the 14th yeah. then we did like a ton of views and it's like woo but like yeah i i get that psychological thing i try i try more because like we mentioned with you know january and the quarters and stuff the finances are so up and down but the views typically yeah. they're they're pretty they're pretty stable and more representative of not of your yeah. channel and your work rather than yeah. what's going on in some big corporation somewhere and about how the guy in marketing is trying to blow their quarterly budget so he gets a renew for next quarter that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with you but the views are much more mm-hmm. like okay this is like so i i tend to focus on these now and that's i'd encourage people to yeah do that's that. it I, I i definitely nowadays get more excited about the subscribers and 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 views and stuff and i mean like the sustainable income like when the average is like yeah yeah i get excited about that when the sustainable income goes up but like the random burst it's like yeah that, that's cool but like you know i can't really i can't really hire a new person off that because it'll just be gone you know next month right once you've done a few months and you haven't dropped down below a certain level that's nice yeah then you're like okay it's kind of unlikely now that it'll drop well, but then, below this but then you still always have that little bit of pessimism because then you just know like <laughs> yeah. those those valleys they happen in like the summer will hit or whatever and views will cut in half and cpms are, are awful in the summer yeah. and it's just like oh yeah that, that'll happen so you're like excited for now but you know like it's coming like it's not always, it's not always going to be green pastures no definitely not valleys and troughs <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. There's a, like the working online, the, the the income is so random. It just like prepares you to be a b- little bit of a pessimist <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Like financially, my attitude has always been, and I think this is something you probably share with me, is always live below your means. Like yeah. just because you made X amount of money in December, in December does not mean you're going to make X plus one in January yeah. or even next December. So I'm always like, despite my like optimistic chirpy nature, I'm a massive yeah. financial pessimist. I'm always like, I suck money away in the bank and I'm like, good. Okay. So if everything disappears tomorrow, I can survive a year and I can get something else together. It's like, yes. Okay. Mild. And I, I literally, <laughs> yeah, with the randomness, uh, I do the exact same thing where it's just like, okay. So if I made nothing at all, like if I had to start over, like could yeah. I could I still live for a while, like long enough to work? Because you know everything online when you start a new YouTube channel, it might take a year or two, right? So you need that you need right. like a very large buffer just in case. Even though I mean you're not gonna have to start over really, but like you know sometimes the sometimes the earnings drop. You know it'll be just like a massive like even like a seventy percent drop, and then it'll be a January and seventy percent drop in views, and like you know then you just you don't make much that month, and so you have to be prepared for that. Yeah, you got to be ready. And, and to be honest, I mean, we can be absolutely transparent. This podcast is a move at diversification because YouTube, absolutely. it's like, thank you for listening, everyone. Hopefully at some point we'll have advertisers <laughs> and this will mean that this YouTube, uh, that this podcast is profitable in its own way, which means if YouTube just tomorrow are like, we're not doing advertising anymore, guys. Uh, we're just not into ads. Yeah. It's all for free. Then it would be like, oh, yeah. that sucks. But at least we've got this podcast. <laughs> 
exactly. And and the more diversification you get on the on the income sources, of course, the more steady income comes in, which means the more people you can hire and kind of grow and make better content and stuff like that. So it's all kind of uh, comes together. If you just have like one source of income online, like that's a that's a really hard thing to to then make those hires and stuff like that, and without risk of you know having to fire someone, which is uh, awful. Yeah. Although I think we're we're quite cautious. There are friends of mine who would certainly oh, be like this is amazing look how well i'm doing let's hire three people and it's like dude you started your business three months ago and yeah it's doing great but i mean it's yeah. really fragile am- it's built on sand <laughs> yeah i am way too cautious on that and then you have like the uh, like the linus tech tips i remember i was watching a thing when he first started like he hired two people and he didn't even have the money to pay them that month and it was just like when he switched from the i believe it was the nci whatever place he worked for that got him started on the videos and but it worked out you know like i, I if i remember correctly one of them was the marketer person to get ads you know so that person was going to pay for everything uh, wow. and it was it was gutsy but look at where he is today like I, yeah i definitely think i'm way too conservative and this is why Linus is super successful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he's got that, now he's, uh, I, I love his videos, and he's got that huge warehouse yeah. slash office and all this I insane. I so want that warehouse. <laughs> should, we, should we talk a bit about the, the other type of ads that, that, that happen? And that's, uh, I guess we'd call it sponsorships. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we do have the sponsorships and we have, we actually have a guy that does that, which is, he's amazing. We should interview him sometime because he is, he is like amazing. Like you want to talk about like contract workers who like go the extra mile always, like every yeah. time. And like, he yeah so drew we shouldn't we should say his name drew sapra if you if you need if you need an ad guy this is your guy he's just he just handles all of that stuff so perfectly and he'll like jump on calls with advertisers and discuss rates and make sure you know the rates are fair and that someone's not trying to like lowball us too badly so yeah if you are looking at that these sorts of ad deals are the way to go if you can get them because the the amount they pay compared to like the google the the youtube adsense or whatever uh the built-in is just like so much more but you do have to the problem is it depends on the niche you're on but you do have this sort of like threshold where they're not going to be interested in dealing with you unless you're beyond this certain threshold because i had it explained to me was it was basically because okay so we can we can do 10 ad deals right for this this number of views or we can yeah. do 100 for this you know a tenth of views and the one takes a lot more management overhead lots more and there there it take, does take a lot of time to to make the deals and stuff like that so they so they have this higher threshold um and especially I, I, for our industry i was just going to say i think you know we can give just from my experience and i while i don't recommend I was on Top Tens, which is another channel I do. We were with a, a multi-channel network for a while, and so they gave us a bit of an insight into what sort of numbers you need to get to attract advertisers. And I, you know, these have been reflected on our channel together today. I found out, and that's that it's about 100k. You need to be able to guarantee 100,000 views within the first 30 days or 60 days. Some mm-hmm. like 60 days, but most like 30 yeah. to really to really sign a deal. And it's it's yeah, like you said, it's just about the fact that they don't want to manage 100 ads a thousand views yeah. they want one at a hundred thousand yeah and I, I do think it depends on like the the niche you're in so like our education yeah. again like like i said it's not like britannica's advertising so we just kind of get the general ads you know it's not super targeted and so when you can get that targeted you don't need nearly as many views like um like you drew even said like uh, certain channels like uh like the picture of the recipe that we talk about sometimes great go subscribe to that channel uh that you don't need it if you have like ten thousand subscribers and you you can start to get those deals because it's very targeted targeted and the, and there are adver- there's a lot of cooking advertisers there's a lot of tech like yeah. Linus tech tips um a lot of them and they 
they they're perfectly happy. Their their profit margins are good. They're perfectly happy to go ultra targeted and less views. Um, but ours is just so general that you know we we just get we need we need a lot more views to get them. That's another thing we should definitely put in the YouTube chat section on this podcast in the future. Niche versus non niche. Whether you should like what are the advantages of say a cooking channel over like a today I found out, which is like yeah. we could probably get away with doing a video about cooking equally how we could get away with yeah. doing a video about a Tesla. Yeah, the, the ultimate yeah. non niche. <laughs> random channel yeah exactly that that like the tech is like the ultimate because like you could i mean we could have you know a 10th or a 20th of the views and probably make more you know right. like on the uh, other side just, like the niche know, side yeah exactly yeah. so yeah so when you're yeah when you pick your niche you should definitely uh, consider that. But I, I think, you know, one thing I have in mind about that is if you do pick a niche, it's going to be, you know, it can cap what your ultimate potential to grow is. Absolutely. Today I found out I really feel, I don't know, it sounds arrogant, but can it really appeal to anyone? Like you could stick that. Like, I, I think that's why we see also people, like we have our videos on Emirates Airlines, which I always found super cool. And it's like, because it's the mm-hmm. sort of content that anyone can tune into and probably at least enjoy a bit. It's, yeah. it's really broad. Whereas Linus Tech Tips is an example. It's something I love. It's something you love because we're really into this but if you put it on an emirates airline it's going to be like that's ah, a bit specific for most people exactly and I, I do think the the one thing we do that i think turns people off is we do go into that extra detail you know that some people just <laughs> like okay you've gone on a tangent now yeah. and it's like well that's what we do though like and it's it's interesting to a certain person type of person uh, yeah. and that's where we kind of like but that's also what separates us because i don't think anyone else quite does it the way we do it um, i agree I, there's, there's there's a lot of kind of is vapid the right word? Content where it's just very surface level, very like, here's, yeah. we talked about it before, but kind of here's what Wikipedia says on it, or here's what the first Google yeah. result says, and you've basically read it into a microphone and put it on YouTube. Whereas I yeah. feel we go super, super unnecessarily wildly deep <laughs> yeah deep and then off on we, we go deep into the tangents that just kind of come up like one sentence here and like oh what about this this yeah. is interesting and then you know i'll go you know research deeply that or you know uh, kind of like I, this podcast <laughs> yeah but and i think that that it's like a, our greatest strength and our greatest weakness at the same time like as far as mass appeal um, absolutely coming back to the coming back to the ads and integrated ads i, I did we did we really say what these are because i'm aware like many people might not even know what that is but it's kind of instead yeah. of instead of that three second skip ad at the beginning or you know that interruption you get uh, basically what we're talking about when we're talking about sponsorships and how much you know how they pay so much better and stuff and how you should definitely go after them if you can that's basically that really that integrated one so for example mm-hmm. uh, what did i record yesterday blue apron so it's like blue apron will come along and it's like they send you the food you cook up the food you film a video you taste the food you know it's a really integrated mm-hmm. and then it's me or you talking about it in a video rather and and I, I think it's pretty clear the reason this pays more is it's because it's us talking about it it's not like oh hey you've yeah. just you've just interrupted simon to tell you about windows 10 it's like uh, uh, okay yeah well and i think it's also uh people understand that it's it's somewhat it's like an honest review like well at least i hope people understand that like they don't really have a ton of guidelines like certainly if you say something they might reject the ad in the first place but yeah. you know like at the same time they're pretty loose on what you can say and some of them are like just completely do whatever you want like i don't care just you know those are those are those are my favorite ones because it's like yeah just tell them what you think if we really think you've been terrible to us then we will ask you not to air it but 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we are free to whatever. And so I think people, I think fans also understand that it's sort of like it's an honest review and we won't, you know, we're we're not going to say something like that, that we actually didn't like, you know, like we wouldn't want to run that one ad in the first place. So it's kind of mutual that we both don't want that ad running, you know. Right. That's the this is this is exactly it. And I feel we should also point out that as well as getting to do what we what we want and say what we want in those ads with, within limits, you know, they'll provide direction. But it's like there's also plenty of advertisers who are just who, who are approach us and they're like we'll write you a really nice check to talk about this and it's like this seems really bad and it's just like i am not interested there is no amount of money you could pay me to talk about your payday loan company and i think payday loans is an example of a company who's approached us and i'll be like no these are so dodgy i will not touch this or that uh, i think drew uh did you get that email a little bit ago where he said um it was like a lawyer uh, group and nothing wrong with lawyers but it was the specific like uh, personal injury like that sort of stereotype ambulance chases "Mm." Yeah, exactly. It was like, yeah, and and they wanted they were going to pay well to uh to do it where like, yeah, every every personal injury suit that we do, like you get a percentage or whatever, like it's Whoa. like no. It was like, <laughs> no. I don't I don't think we want no. Just no. no. And and Drew was totally he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going to say no, but you know, I just thought here it is just in yeah. case. It, it, yeah, and and I like that because I I genuinely feel every advertiser we work with, I am behind. I I try it out, they send us stuff. I like it, you know. It's like honest review advertising. Yeah. So and that's why that's why they pay extra, like you say. It's, it's people people get that. It's it's honest. And it's pretty fun. I love being sensed free stuff as well. Well, let's talk about the ten-minute videos. So, like, they're the uh, for those not familiar, where it's a ten minutes, where it's this idea that if you go over ten minutes, it's it's like massively more profitable on YouTube. It's like it seems like everyone thinks this is the case, and I just I'm going to strongly argue that that is not the case. You don't make more. I I will I will counter this by saying that really? if you do go if you do go over ten minutes, you can put an extra advert in. So you can put that extra yes. mid-roll advert in, which YouTube will sometimes serve and sometimes not. But but of course, you have to make it interesting, right? And so if you have to make it interesting, that means you have to do some work. And the work, then the time, you would probably, at least for our videos, like as you know, the it's not a linear growth in time. Like the, every extra minute is, takes more time than the minute yeah. before. And so when you get to that 10 minutes, it's like, okay, yeah, so you hit the 10 minute mark. But now, now you just spent three or four times as much time as if you'd done a five minute video. And yeah. so it's like, you're not, and, and it's not like you're making double, you know, you're making a percentage because only, so, only so many people get to the end and then of course if you didn't you know people like to watch the short videos and go all the way through and then youtube algorithm likes that and then so you get the 10 minute video and less people do so the video gets promoted less and so at the end of the day you would have been better off making two five minute videos of great quality than one great quality 10 minute video i 100 percent agree with that and i think often when you've got like because people will be aiming for that 10 12 minute thing the quality will drop off because they're just fluffing they're like, okay, here's what I need to talk yeah. about. Let's fluff it out until it gets to 10 minutes. I, I One of the funniest things I've ever seen on YouTube was, uh, it was a PewDiePie video. Everyone knows him. <laughs> he, was, he was talking about something. It was just a random video that he normally does. And he finishes it about seven minutes. And he's like, well, that's all I wanted to talk about for today. But I need to make this video 10 minutes. So he just leaves the yeah. camera rolling, walks away and like makes a cup of tea or whatever. And then it just gets to 10 minutes and it cuts out. And he's like, 10 or 10 minutes in one second. He's like, done. See, and that's where it- that's where I think like not I mean I'm sure there is someone benefiting from this like that actually does make more but for like for most you have to keep it quality and it, to do quality it takes more time yeah and so I guess like if you're doing like a vlog or something then yeah if you're 
if you're a particularly entertaining person, maybe you can whip out that extra five minutes or whatever in five minutes, you know. But like for for most of the good quality content, it's not like that, like where you actually have to put in the time. And so and if they, if people don't stay engaged, like the algorithm doesn't like your video and it doesn't get the views. So I just I don't think there are that many people actually benefiting from this thing. And I know we certainly do not. If our video is 10 minutes, it's because we we wanted it to be 10 minutes because we thought it was interesting. My favorite one was I think we did a video where it was like 10 minutes and one second. And there was like a yeah. big voted up comment and it was like, oh, you guys got that 10 minute and one second mark. And it's like, yeah, we've made like 800 videos. One of them is going to be 10 minutes and one second. It's just how maths works. Yeah. Well, and the irony of there too is like so many of our scripts are from things that were made before we even had a YouTube channel. <laughs> yes. So it's like, no, we were not considering this at all, like ever. And we still, it's its not even like a thing that crosses my mind when I'm editing or like when a person's writing. Like, it's just like, it's not even a consideration. Yeah. I did want to mention that uh, because there's two schools of thought or, or multiple ideas around it. So you have watch time, right? And if you've got a mm-hmm. 10 minute video and say your watch time is 50% or your watch percentage 50%, you get five minutes and then you get five minutes of people not watching it and then if you've got a five minute video and it's got a watch time of say 70 percent because it's shorter you know less people are going to drop off over time you've got what is that like three point something minutes the argument would be that youtube doesn't punish you for not watch time so if you have a video that's 40 minutes long and someone watches 20 minutes of it that's better than a 10 minute video that someone watches nine minutes of. And obviously this can change and YouTube's algorithm is a secret. But I believe as of early 2018, that's the kind of where thinking is around their algorithm. So there is also that argument that longer videos, just because people are less likely to turn off, maybe does have an advantage, but it does encourage people to make kind of boring content. <laughs> yeah, it's a, we'll see, we'll see. We'll have more. We don't uh, do super long videos very often. So with these podcasts perhaps if we post we'll get some more data and see actually how this is working yeah you know how, how <laughs> like, things are affected average watch time on your podcast 10 percent <laughs> that's true because like other uh, that's other things we don't get to see how long we just see download numbers on podcasts so we don't get to see like how long people are actually listening and so the yeah. youtube will actually give us some indication of like all right did they everybody switched off although i think you know the advantage of podcasts over youtube is i am far more likely to turn off a youtube video than i am a podcast because a podcast like i'll be on a long drive i'll be on a long uh run or or you know something like that and i'll be like i'll stick with it it's not the most entertaining thing in the world but you know i need something in my ear for the next hour and i'm yeah. not gonna get out my phone i'm not gonna have an accident to to change it mm-hmm. yeah we will see we will see i'm curious to see how this podcast goes anything else for the youtube section premium ads if anyone actually knows how you get how you get accepted to that please please uh, leave a comment in the forum or email us did i tell you i asked our youtube rep about this really what, yeah what, i also I asked Michelle and she said um, it's a different division to what she does and uh, it was it's a really unsatisfying answer for people listening. It, it was very much a situation of we'll call you. <laughs> yeah. All right so, then. But I think you so, need to be like in the top five. But how yeah. do you rank like surely we're in the top 5% of YouTubers? I would think in watch time. 
certainly not certainly not no subscribers or no or whatnot but but i got to think of watch time we got to be up there just because of the daily videos right like our views are way less than the top than you're like a typical top five percenter but because we do it every day like i would think i would think that it just adds up i I have no idea though but it also matters how are you defining that five percent because if we include everyone who has a youtube channel we're in the top five percent and pretty much every metric i'm sure but then if you include just people who have say over a thousand subscribers then maybe not that's true but I, w- I wonder if it is more on like the v- the video view because like okay so so maybe we a- average a hundred thousand or whatever yeah uh views but then you, you'll have like a people who post like once a month right and so they'll get that like you know 10 million views or whatever on that one video and so perhaps that's way more uh advertisers are going to like that way more than our hundred thousand right even though we were our totals perhaps are the same yes well i i still i, I sit by my phone or by my email account <laughs> eagerly awaiting a call from i think it's uh youtube preferred or google preferred or whatever they're like i, I got really into this after the the jake uh, uh is it jake paul or logan paul i always get the brothers confused um i have the, no idea uh, suicide I, forest i guy. only know this person i only know this person through this this scandal just the name i think i was familiar for, with him from his previous scandals and yeah mm. he, he doesn't seem like a very very nice person but anyway suicide <laughs> forest guy i was reading in in tube filter which is like youtube news that his like membership to google preferred was revoked and then someone on reddit which was where i followed the link to the to the article was was like ah that's his golden ticket taken away and i'm like wait so we don't have the golden ticket and i feel like we (laughs) we 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 do pretty well from youtube i'm quite happy with with what we do but there's a golden ticket if they would give us the golden ticket our content quality like as far as like our you know like we could do the mini docs and everything it would go it would benefit youtube if they would just give us the money we have we have great ideas we have no money to do them yeah it's, it, exactly it's like i feel like this guy his content's not going to change if you give him more money he's just going to buy a bigger house where he films his content it's like we want to go places and make stuff and buy fancy cameras to make better things <laughs> I will hire a staff and start many new YouTube channels. <laughs> if you're listening, good. YouTube. <laughs> g- g- give us the call. This podcast, like, I think when we were kind of, David and I were going back and forth in what must have been the biggest email thread in the history of the world. About, In fact, I think we had multiple email threads that were like, you know, when you look at and Gmail I, I would and just, it's like... I would just like to apologize right now because I know you were out of town and very busy. And I was sending you these like five page long emails, multiple of them. Nah, it's okay. Uh, I, I, felt, I felt bad about that. I like it. It, it. I always kind of do my emails in the morning. So when I'm away, I typically don't have time to like sit down for the half hour and do them all. But I like reading them and I like hearing your thoughts on like what, we, what we'll be working on next. Where was I going for this? I think we were kind of seeing this as a bit of a variety show. So we have stuff for different people. This was obviously quite YouTube specific. Then we had the Q&A, which is quite specific about us. And of course, we had the we have the, the Rotten Tomatoes or the Throwing Tomatoes section for today. But let us know always what you think. What was that email address again? Podcast at todayfoundout.com? Yes, correct. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Honest feedback. And also on the on the uh, the forum, have a discussion for the episodes. Give us feedback there. That would be that's way more helpful than like the you know the iTunes reviews. Only it, it's not doesn't quite give us a lot of information. But the the forum where we can actually interact and ask follow up questions and things to see how, you know how we can make it better or change something. I know you're the kind of the, the website dude, but can we do like a redirect? So even though we don't have it set up now, could we do todayifoundout.com forward slash forum and that would send people to a website later, or is that just not going to work? Yes. 
Yes, that would work. I there you go. That. So uh, join our forum that doesn't exist yet, but will exist by the time you hear this. Todayifoundout.com forward slash forum. Join in the conversation about today's episode. We would, I, I think we see that as we'd love it to kind of be a bit of a home base for both this podcast and the, the YouTube channel if we can make that work. Yeah, it, 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 it's so much, such better than the YouTube comment system, um, which, you know, as far as being able to have a conversation, you know, and really back and forth instead of the way the YouTube comments are like you, you can't really it's not really made for that. I know we're wrapping up, but can I just talk about the community tab for a second? Absolutely. So they, they introduced this new feature. It's called Community Tab, where you can send a message to your to your fans. And it's actually amazing because everyone sees this message, which is super unusual for YouTube because normally they just try to hide everything you send to people as much as possible. So you could send this out and then there's like a comments thread below. And so people can reply to your thing. So I think I sent out like, hey, what did you think about this video or something? And people were like, oh, it was really good, blah, blah, blah. I thought this. And it's like, hey, did you cover think about covering this? And then I will reply to that. And then that's as far as you can go. There is no more... More depth to that conversation tree and i was like uh, on the phone with uh with michelle at youtube and she's like that does seem like a bug i'm not sure why that's like that let me see if it's that like that on other people's channels and she's like it's like that on everyone else's channel i need to speak yeah. to someone about this <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a problem when you have a community thing where you're supposed to be having this these discussions. <laughs> so, forum, always better. Join us on our forum, todayifoundout.com forward slash forum. Send us direct feedback, mm-hmm. podcast at todayifoundout.com. How often are we doing this? Every two weeks? Every uh, one I week? I think we were every thinking day? every one week. <laughs> yeah, uh, every one week at first, but I don't know if long-term that would be doable, at least long-term, assuming people still want the Today I Found Out channel itself to run. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't know. I, uh, you need new content and that takes a lot of time so but uh long term probably every other week but uh for in the beginning maybe every week just to to kick it off exceptional i'm i'm excited this was fun more of this in the future I bet today, if five people in a theater just start, of a hundred people started tearing up the chairs, other people would get involved fairly quick. 